Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Good morning, Encounter Church. How are we doing this morning? It's great seeing everybody. Um, always just paying uh, honor to our pastors. It's an interesting thing that percentage that you mentioned, because that's not normal, you know, for pastors to allow the giftings of the church to also edify the church. And so thank you, pastors, for allowing us to come here and just share what uh, the Lord's been speaking to us. So let's give a hand to our pastors, Hunter and Liz. Pastor Hunter. Yes, I'm super excited about this message today. The Lord's been speaking something awesome. This year we've been our theme is Christology, the study of God, and our, our theme or our model this year is finding Jesus from cover to cover. And I don't know about you, but as we've been doing this, I've been discovering Jesus literally from cover to cover in weird places. I never thought I would find Jesus, but I'm starting to discover those things. And so it's been a super exciting year. This comes from Revelations 1.8. Uh, let's say it together, church. I am the Alpha and the Omega the beginning and the end, Revelations 1.8. Let's say it in Espanol. Oh, oh. Yo soy Alpha, el, la Omega, el Principio, e el Fin. Apocalipsis uno ocho. All right. <laughs> Y'all so funny acting like I haven't had since January to get that right. So y'all are so nice. Thank you, my Spanish family. You're so kind. Okay, so... We're going to go ahead and get into this. I want you to raise your hand, and I want you to raise your hand if you've heard of this term or you just agree with the term, you are who you follow. Raise your hand if you've heard of it or you agree with you are who you follow, okay? You are who you follow. I mean, that point blank, you are who you follow. This is why it's so important to be aware of who we are following, right? Even social media, you know. Uh, I, I always like to think of social media as like my life journal because I can go back and see things, ways of thinking I used to have and all this. I can go back and see the things I used to follow before Jesus, all right? And I can really tell it shaped the way I thought, it shaped the way I did things. And so you are who you follow is very important. You know, most of what we do, how we dress, what we eat, how we think about things are inspired by who we follow. And you know, when you give your life to Jesus, you're saying, I am choosing to follow Jesus, right? And you are choosing or you can choose to allow the Lord to transform your thinking for, him to under, for you to be able to think like he thinks, for you to understand his will, right? And he will inspire you. And so I ask you today, who is your shepherd? Actually, I want you to find a neighbor, a partner, and I want you to ask them, who is your shepherd? I want you to ask another neighbor, who are you following? Find another neighbor, say, who is inspiring you? Find your holiest neighbor and say, who is transforming the way you think? All right, they put a lot of pressure on you now if they talk to you on that last one. So, the awesome thing about 
the relationship between God and man is described in many ways throughout the Bible. There's a lot of different illustrations, one being a husband to the bride, the church, right? The father being also a father to his children, right? He's the father, we're his children. But one of my favorite is a shepherd to his sheep. And I don't know about you, but when I start hearing things repeated throughout the Bible over and over and over and over again, something goes like, ding, 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 ding. This is very important. I better pay attention to this and not just take it for granted. And so I am going to be talking about those things. And I just want to give you a bunch of different examples throughout the Bible. I'm going to go from Genesis all the way to Revelation. I'm going to read every, no, I'm not going to read everything. (laughs) I will spare you that. Join us with our Bible reading plan. We're doing the life journal together. Uh, Shameless plug. All right, so I'm going to start in Genesis 49, 24, and how about y'all help me? Every time we see the word shepherd, I want y'all to say it out loud, okay? Genesis 49, 24, but his bow remained taut, and his arms were strengthened by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob, by the, the rock of Israel. Isaiah 40, 11 says this, he will feed his flock like a he will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. Jeremiah 31.10 says this, listen to this message from the Lord, you nations of the world. Proclaim it in a distant coastland. The Lord who scattered his people will gather them and watch over them as a does his flock. Hebrews 13, 18 through 21 says this, may God who puts all things together make all things whole, who made a lasting mark through the sacrifice of Jesus, the sacrifice of blood that sealed the eternal covenant, who led Jesus our great up and alive from the dead, now put you together, provide you with everything you need to please him, make us into what gives him most pleasure by means of the sacrifice of Jesus, the Messiah. I love that one. And Revelations, it's all the way to Revelation 7.17 says this, for the lamb on the throne will be there. He will lead them to springs of life-giving water, and God will wipe every tear from their eye. Amen? So, We see this illustration pointed out time and time again throughout the Bible. But I think in order for us to understand the title of this message, Who's Your Shepherd? We need to understand why he used a shepherd. Why did he use sheep? And so before we get into this, I just want us to pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you, God. I thank you for your word, God. I thank you that it never changes. God, I thank you that your word was your word from the beginning, and it will be your word all the way to the end. I pray that your word is apparent to our hearts today, Jesus. It's only through your Holy Spirit that conviction can be brought. So, Father, I just pray for your Holy Spirit to open our eyes, open us to receive your word for what it is. We pray against all distractions, God. We just pray for focused minds, sound hearts in the name of Jesus. We thank you, God, for all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've been reading this book. uh, Well, I finished the book. But I've read this book called A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. I really highly recommend it. It's a very simple read. If you are not a reader, it's a very easy read, okay? Um, This book is from the 70s by a man named W. Philip Keller. And interesting thing about this book is that W. Philip Keller was an actual shepherd. 
Pretty crazy, right? So somebody talking about Psalm 23 that's an actual shepherd, I was intrigued. And so I picked this book up and read through it, and my mind was open. And actually, a lot of what I'm going to be talking about today is referenced from this book, and I'll be showing you those quotes. I highly, highly recommend this book. It's a really good read. And so I just want to start with this. Well, first of all, we're going to dissect why he used a shepherd to describe himself, okay? So here's an excerpt. These excerpts are kind of long, so just bear with me, okay? From early dawn until late at night, this utterly selfless shepherd is alert to the welfare of his flock. Remember, this is an actual shepherd speaking about his own flock. For the diligent sheep man rises early and goes out first thing every morning without fail to look over his flock. It is the initial intimate contact of the day. With a practice searching sympathetic eye, he examines the sheep to see that they are fit and content and able to be on their feet. In an instant, he can tell if whether any are ill or if they are in some which require special attention. So out of this excerpt, I've, I found three important points of what a shepherd does. Number one, a shepherd carries burdens. All right. It said the selfless shepherd is alert to the welfare of his flock. And I just want to thank the Lord. I want to thank him that he was, he's alert to our welfare. I thank the Lord that he knew that our welfare was at risk, right, because of sin. And I thank the Lord that I did not have to carry that burden, that I'm able to leave that burden at the foot of the cross. He actually carried the burden of sin because he was taking care of our welfare. He carried that burden. Psalm 68, 19 says this, Blessed be the Lord who bears our burden day by day, the God who is our salvation. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says this, And Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. All right, so number one, he bears the burdens of the flock. What else does a shepherd do? He said, for the diligent sheep man rises early and goes out first thing every morning without fail to look over his flock. So what does the shepherd do? He watches over his flock is number two. He watches over his flock. And I just thank you, God, that when I was asleep, right, when I was spiritually dead, he was awake, right? He was awake and aware of what I needed. You know, think about before you knew Jesus. I, I don't know about you, but I was pretty sleep. I was not aware of the things of God. You know, people could tell me to read my Bible. I would read it and be confused. I didn't know what was happening. But it was the Lord, when I woke up, he was able to step in in that moment because he never sleeps or slumbers. It says in Psalm 121, 5 through 8, Psalm 121, 5 through 8, the Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. Thank you for your shade of protection, Lord. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go now and forever. All right, so number one, he bears the burdens of the flock. Number two, he watches over the flock. And number three, what does a shepherd do? He knows his flock. He knows his people. It said, with a practiced, sympathetic eye, he examines the sheep to see if they are fit and content. And I just thank God that you don't view me with a condemning eye. I thank you, Lord, that you don't view me with an angry eye. Oh, my goodness, imagine that. I'm glad that, Lord, you don't uh, view me from an unaware eye. 
All right, and I just thank you, God, that it's a sympathetic eye that you view me from because you love me. You love your people. It says in Psalm 139, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. I don't know if we have these verses. We should have all these verses. Psalm 139, 1 through 4. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. Also, he knows our church. He knows our church. You know, he knows what you're going through in your life right now. You know those places that you don't want to really tell people about. He knows about those things. He knows your misfortunes. You know, a lot of times we carry the weight of, of, of feeling like, you know, I have all these burdens and carrying them, but he knows your misfortunes. He knows your family issues, right? Even when you're in the center of them, he knows your family issues, and he knows what you're confused about. You know, we have confusion. The worst thing to do with confusion is to hold on to confusion. You know, the best thing is to turn to the word, turn to somebody in your life that knows the word of God. Those are the best things. Pray. Open up your heart to, look to the Lord to transform your mind, right? He will change the way you think about things. So now that we know what a shepherd does, a shepherd bears the burdens of the flock. He watches over the flock, and he knows his flock. Let's get an understanding of why he chose sheep to represent us. Going back to the book, it said, a commonly held but serious misconception about sheep is that they can just get along anywhere. The truth is quite reverse. No other class of livestock requires more careful handling, uh-oh, more detailed direction than do sheep. No doubt David as a shepherd himself had learned this firsthand from tough experience. He knew beyond dispute that if the flock was to flourish and the owner's reputation was to be held in high esteem. As a good manager, the sheep had to be constantly under meticulous control and guidance. All right, you ready for this? What are sheep? There are four things that a sheep are described in this book. Stubborn? You know somebody like that as you look in the mirror, right? All right, self-willed, proud, self-sufficient. And these particular uh, characteristics come out in certain scenarios. For example, when a sheep is thirsty. When a sheep is thirsty, they become restless and set out in search of water. Oh, they're setting out on their own, even though the shepherd provided everything that the sheep needs, but it sets out on its own. And guess what happens? If not led to the right water, they will often end up drinking from polluted potholes where they pick up such internal parasites as nematodes, liver flukes, or other disease germs. Jeremiah 2.13 says this, for my people have done two evil things. One is that they abandon the Lord, right? Who is what? The fountain of living water. And what did they do? They ended up digging up themselves cracked cisterns that cannot hold water at all. And so instead of enjoying the pasture that was provided by the good shepherd, they decide to set out on their own. And what did they find? Nothing better than the water of the life-giving water, right? It was much worse than that. 
But in their eyes and their stubbornness and their pride and their self-sufficiency, they decide to set off on their own. And the word of God says he leads me to still waters, right? It, it says if anyone thirsts, come to me and receive the, uh, a drink. Thirsty souls of men and women can only be quenched by the streams of living water that are only given from God, the good shepherd. So these characteristics comes out when a sheep is thirsty, but it also comes out when a sheep is hungry. A hungry, ill-fed sheep is ever on its feet, on the move, searching for another scanty mouthful of forage to try and satisfy his gnawing hunger. Such sheep are not contented. They do not thrive. They are of no use to themselves nor the owner. They languish and lack vigor and vitality. And when I think of this, I think of Saul. You know, and I think of I think of Saul because we got to really see his whole life play out, right? We got to see the beginning, the favor, the these amazing things. We got to see the the change of heart, the change of mind, and then we got to actually see the hand of God, the cover of God lift off of him onto David. We got to see this whole life transpire. And so I thought about this and I was like, what was Saul really hungry for? What was the thing that made him step from under the Lord's covering? Because he wanted his own way. And I believe he was hungry for influence. Okay, and I think this speaks to this generation more than ever. Okay, he was hungry for influence. And I thought of that because the thing that made him turn his eye, a jealous eye to David, the one thing that really did it was when the crowd began to chant. Thousands, look, you saw he got a thousand, he killed about a thousand or something. But David, that dude there, David killed tens of thousands. And in that moment, in that moment, Saul turned a jealous eye towards David. You remember, David was his guy, it was his, he playing the harp by his feet. Come on, like doing all these. Oh, I'm, I'm a music person, sorry. What am I doing? This is not a harp, by the way. All right, so, but listen. This was his guy, and in that moment, his eye changed to, I love this guy, this is my guy too, I'm jealous, because he might be the one that God chooses to be king over me. So I want to ask you, church, what are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? Because the word of God says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be satisfied. Those are the ones that will be satisfied. So hunger, thirsting, thirsting for the wrong things, hungering for the wrong things. And, and number three, seeking comfort in all the wrong places. Uh-oh. Because of the behavior of sheep and their preference for certain favored spots, these well-worn areas become quickly infested with parasites of all kinds. In a short time, a whole flock can thus become infected with worms, nematodes, and scab. The final upshot is that both land and owner are ruined while the sheep become thin, wasted, and sickly. And when it comes to seeking out comfort, I thought about the rich young king and how he had everything right. This dude, what's crazy about this story to me that I thought about is that he had everything, but he still knew he needed something, right? Even though he had all the riches that he needed, he saw Jesus and was like, ah, oh, I think this guy was so aware that he knew that Jesus was the Messiah. And he was like, this is the guy that will fulfill the thing that I really need. 
And so he comes, comes to Jesus, Jesus, what do I need to do? And Jesus, with his sympathetic eye, because Jesus didn't have to, he could have left by saying, here's the Ten Commandments, obey the Ten Commandments, peace out. Because he knew his heart, but with a sympathetic eye, he said, I'm going to use this, and I'm still going to tell him what he really needs to do, because I know his heart. And he said, I need you to get rid of everything. I need you to get rid of your comfort, because where I lay, where I lay, you know, foxes have a place to sleep, but I don't have a place to sleep. You know, where I go, it's, it's much different. This walk, this Christian walk is much different, right? And so, comfort, what is comfort? Comfort is a physical state of feeling ease and freedom from pain. He did not want to get rid of that ease and freedom from pain. Jesus said, this is what you need to do. And he said, I can't. You know, he didn't say it, but he just knew I can't get rid of my comfort. I got to have my comfort. I enjoy this. He chose his comfort over the thing that Jesus actually came to do for us. Right. Jesus came and he kept telling you, I got to go. But and they're like, but, but you're with us. Why would why would you leave us? You're here. This is what we've been waiting for the Messiah to actually walk with us. He's right here. But he said there's something more important than me just walking here on earth with you. Because when I go, I'm sending down something more important because instead of living right beside it, I can live inside of you. He said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, our comforter, right? And so that's what we find our comfort in, the Holy Spirit. Searching out comfort, searching it out, what you're searching for. It's been given to you. You have the Holy Spirit. If you ask for the Holy Spirit, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will fill you, and you will receive the Comforter. Amen? So now that we understand the illustration of a shepherd, and we understand the illustration of a sheep, I have three questions for you today, Encounter Church. Are you ready for three questions? Are you dependent on the shepherd? The word of God says this, and I want you to continue to keep that question in your head as I continue. The Lord, is, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Is the Lord all you want in your life? In spite, here's another quote from this book. I'm telling you, it's so good, y'all. I'm only giving you a few quotes that stuck out to me. I got highlighted everywhere. In spite of having such a master and owner, despite having everything you need, the fact remains that some Christians are still not content with his control. They are somewhat dissatisfied, always thinking that somehow the grass beyond the fence must be greener. And somebody that wants both worlds, right, somebody that is in the beautiful pasture but decides to continue to look over the fence, ooh, that looks good. Mm, I like that grass. That grass looks so nice. That person that decides to straddle the fence and continue to take partake of things from one world. You like the you like the things that come along with being a Christian, right? Being you know, especially if you were raised in a Christian family, you you have that. Some people have idolized that, right? I idolize being a Christian family where people know me as somebody that holds Christian values and things like that. Like people really have created this, but people that straddle the fence. This is lukewarm, right? You want the best of both worlds. And I'm here to tell you that lukewarm Christians will not inherit the kingdom of God. All right? Trying to partake of one thing because you're going to serve somebody, right? You either serve the Lord or you serve the devil. 
I know that that's strong, but I'm, I'm, it, that's the word of God. It's black and white. There's no gray. You know, speaking of gray and lukewarm, you know, he said, because you don't decide to be hot or cold, I'm going to spit you out. In Revelations, it talks about that. So we need to make a decision. Am I dependent on the shepherd this morning? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What do you want in life? Think about that for a second. What do you want in life? What are the first three things that pop in your mind about what you want in life? And that will tell you your heart. I was thinking about this. Uh, the girls, uh, the Little Mermaid came out recently, and the girls have been just crazy. I have twin girls and a new baby, but she didn't know what was happening. I don't, so, but the twin girls didn't know what was going on, and they were watching this, and they're loving it, and they've been singing these songs all day, all the time. It's just always. And one song stuck out to me as they were singing it because it started getting stuck in my head. Now I'm singing the song, getting mad at myself for getting it stuck in my head. And I was like, Lord, please get this out of my head. And I was like, oh, some Christians have little mermaid syndrome. All right, you don't know what I'm talking about? Okay. That's all. I got you. Oh, all right. I ain't about to sing it. All right. That octave. I can't hit that octave. All right. Listen to this. One of the main songs of this movie said, I've got gadgets and gizmos aplenty. I got hoesits and what's it galore. You want to think of my Bible? Guess what? I got 20 of those. But who cares? No big deal. I want more. Do you, have you been in this place where God has provided everything that you needed? You have everything, right? The Bible says he's provided everything that you need to live a godly life. Are you standing in a place in your life where you have Jesus, you have a healthy church, you have discipleship, you have a prayer life that you can do or not do? You, all these things are do or not do's, right? You know, I'm saying if you were doing all these things right, but you still want more. Your church is not providing the music that you want. All right? We're going to get real, right? These are things that happen. The church isn't the style you like. They speak too much Spanish. Like, these are things that we do, right? These are things that we have thought because we have little mermaid syndrome not realizing that Jesus has provided every single piece of what we need in life. Please don't have little mermaid syndrome. Yeah, y'all going to remember that one thing out of all the things I say. That's going to be one thing. Are you dependent on the shepherd or do you want more? Do you want more influence like Saul? Do you want more money? Are you hungry for just a wife and a husband? Because believe me, you're going to need Jesus for that one. All right, you need Jesus. Lots of them. Do you want the perfect job? Is that all you're thinking about in life? What, or what do you want in life or are you dependent on the shepherd? Number one, are you dependent on the shepherd? Number two, is it clear whose flock you belong to? Is it clear to others whose flock that you belong to? Here are three ways to make it clear for you. Do you have a relationship with God? Okay, let's start with the basics. Do you have an actual, genuine relationship with God? That means, do you read the Bible? Okay, because his word is inspired by Jesus. The only way that you can understand him 
is to receive the word of God, okay? In Encounter Church, we believe in reading the Bible daily. We do it as a church. This is our second year. Y'all, this is our second year reading the Bible together. How amazing is that? Okay, this is our second year doing that. Also, discipleship. Do you have somebody in your life that's pouring into you that you're allowing to pour into you? Okay, we need that. You can't be a lone wolf in this race, all right? You need somebody to be pushing you forward. What's your prayer life like? We pray here every Wednesday, okay? What is your prayer like, though? Because corporate prayer, personal prayer, right? What is it like in your life? That is one way to make it clear is do you have a relationship with Jesus? All those things are a part of a relationship. Do you love people? Here's the next one. Do you love people or do you just deal with people? Oh, man. I, I got convicted about this the other day. I was at Wendy's, and whoo, this lady. But I had to go, I love you. I love you, even though you throwing my card back at me for no reason. But anyway, we ain't going to talk about it. Do you love people, or do you just deal with people, right? It says in John 13, 34, it says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples, right? Do you love people or do you deal with people? Another way to make it clear to others that you belong, that you belong to the flock is do you live a set-apart lifestyle, which is holiness, you know, it says this in the word of God, Deuteronomy 7, 6 says, do this because you are, my pe- you are a people set apart as holy to God, your God. God, your God, chose you out of all people on earth for himself as a treasured personal, I mean, as a cherished personal treasure. And God's sympathetic eye, no matter what you've been doing in your life, no matter how far away you were, no matter how far you are away even now, He views you as treasured. He cherishes you. And I thought about this. I was like, God sees us as a diamond, right? He sees us as a diamond, but our life seems to represent like cubic zirconia. (laughs) Right? So this is how God views us. So our life should represent that diamond, right? It should be attractive to other people. It should look different to other people. It should not blend in with the status quo of this world, right? When people go to your Facebook page, they should get mad. Uh, they should get mad on your Instagram. They shouldn't see the same things of this world on your social media networks, right? They should see you representing something different than what the world has represented. Do you live a set-apart lifestyle? It's very important for us to consider that. Number one, are you dependent on the shepherd? Number two, is it clear whose flock that you belong to? And number three, are you content with the good shepherd? In this book, there was a a particular sheep that W. Keller talked about, and it was a sheep that he ended up nicknaming Miss Gadabout. Okay, this was got about like pleasure seeker. And he named this sheep this because even though this sheep was aesthetically beautiful, perfect sheep. But there was one. Oh, and also not on top of that, this sheep had everything provided for her. Right. She had everything she needed. But listen, she had one issue and she was discontent. She was discontent with her owner. She was stubborn. She was self-willed. She was proud. She was self-sufficient. She thirsted for loopholes. 
she would go to the edge of the fence, all the way to the edge of the fence, the boundary that the shepherd made for her and her life to keep her safe. And she would go all the way to the edge, and she would look for a crack in the fence. Look for a crack in the fence. Find another crack. She would continue doing that, making herself sick, right? Nematodes, flukes, because W. Philip, not being, I guess, not being arrogant, but he said he had the best pasture in the whole district. Out of all the places around his pastures, he knew that he had the best one. So if they were to go to another pasture, he knew that it would cause sickness to his flock. Oh, that's a comfortable spot over there. Finding that crack again, that loophole, she would find those soft spots in the ground to lay that was dangerous for her. But even worse than this, even worse than her destroying herself, she would take those bad habits and start to influence the flock. And guess what? The flock began to follow her. The flock began to start doing the same things, and they were taking and bringing in that nastiness from the outside. And that's when the shepherd stepped in and he said, Oh, no, I'm not going to allow this sheep, Saul, right? I'm not going to allow this sheep to destroy my plan for my flock. So what did he do to that sheep? He had to butcher the sheep. To spare the flock from utter destruction, which would have happened, he had to go ahead and butcher Miss Gadabout. 1 Samuel 5, 15, 23 says, Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected me, Saul, you've rejected my command. I am rejecting you as king. But there's good news. 1 Timothy says, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and we cannot take anything out of this world. The stubborn, self-willed, proud, self-sufficient sheep that persists in pursuing its old past and gaining, gazing on its old polluted ground will end up a bag of bones. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Are you dependent on the shepherd in counter church? Is it clear whose flock that you belong to? And are you content with the good shepherd? Who is your shepherd in counter church? Who are you following? Who are you inspired by? Who is changing the way that you view things and think? Who's in your circle? Who's your shepherd? Well, Psalm 23 gives us a perfect picture of what it looks like to be led by the good shepherd. So my question was, who is your shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd. I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. 
True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid. You walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. His crook represents the word of God. It makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I am back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. What a beautiful journey. What a beautiful journey awaits those who allow the Lord to be their shepherd. It's an invitation to invite the Lord to be your shepherd. And y'all, the Bible here is not requiring a blind trust. Because I feel like people looking in can sometimes feel that that's what we do as a Christian, that you just blindly trust something. But that's actually not what's being asked in this. It's not requiring blind trust. It's actually requiring faith. It's requiring faith that God is exactly who he says he is. What does it say in this world? He said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. What does it say? It says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the, the, the life. The, nobody can come to me, to the Father, except through me. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. He is Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in man-made temples, right? He doesn't need hands to serve him, right? He, does, he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath into everything, and he satisfies every single need. This is our good shepherd. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.